Hi friend, if you love the information you hear in the podcast, then you will love the free mini series of videos that I've put together just for you. It's all about the biblical blueprint for health and teaches you exact principles I've taught to thousands of Christian women that result in weight loss, better sleep, increased energy, clearer skin, and sharper brains. You can go to thechristiannutritionist.com slash miniseries to grab this free set of short, powerful teachings that will show you how to create better health God's way. It's at thechristiannutritionist.com slash miniseries. Go check it out now. Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? We're going to talk some hormones because y'all got so many questions about hormones. A while back, I sent out an email to my Sunday send out group and asked them what kind of questions they had about hormones. And I got a lot in. And then I also recently did a, um, a live Q&A Zoom call. It was a hormones I did a hormones coffee hour and a hormones happy hour, and that was really fun. And um, and so I got a lot of questions by doing that. Um, and so if you haven't checked out that recording, you can um, you can watch that. I'm gonna I answered some different questions there that I'm gonna answer here today. Um, some of them are crossover, um, but I'm just trying to get as much information out to y'all as possible. Um, and there's just so much to talk about, but also if you are not already in my Sunday send out group, then, um, get on that and you can go to my website at the Christian nutritionist.com and you can sign up for it. My Sunday send out, and it's just an email I send out every Sunday. Um, you know, and it tells you where to find the podcast and, and my sermon on the couch and just kind of what's going on for that week. And, um, you know, I just kind of post all the goodness of the week in there and, um, you know, they get, they get first dibs on any discount codes and recipes and stuff like that. So, um, and then also you can email me back from there. Um, it's just a great way to communicate. So, okay, let's start with question number one. Are there natural ways to correct hormone imbalances? Do you have to take hormones for the rest of your life? Okay, um, I understand this concern because a lot of people are worried about taking or using exogenous hormones, exogenous meaning from an outer source, um, not what our body is producing. And it's, you know, it worries a lot of people. So the way I like to start with this is that I always look, I like to look at things, you know, through a historical lens, you know, like what were people doing before we had all of this convenience and all of this food and all of this pharmaceutical stuff in the world. And so my first thought about using hormones was, well, our Bible sisters didn't have hormones. They weren't slapping on an estrogen patch and 
Rebanon progesterone cream, right? And our bodies should be able to manage these hormonal changes like theirs did. The problem is, our Bible sisters weren't exposed to all of the hormone disrupting chemicals and compounds like we are today. You know, we have it coming at us from so many places, so many angles, our food, the air we breathe, the plastics we use, the products that we use on our skin and to clean our homes. You know, our Bible sisters weren't eating fast food and excess sugar and having fake colors in their food. They also didn't spend 15 years on the birth control pill. <laughs> so this is not an exact apples for apples situation. You know, they could easier maintain and produce hormones naturally into their aging years because they didn't jack up their bodies so much along the way. Plus, we have to think about this. It's not like they didn't use anything at all. You know, they used plant medicine, gathering local herbs and spices and utilizing natural compounds to support the body as needed. I recently reread the book, The Red Tent. Have y'all read that book? It came out um, like 20 years ago and I read it then, but I just, you know, with all of this hormone stuff, I just felt compelled to read it again. And it's a biblical historical fiction book based around Jacob's wives. So I, lo I love biblical historical fiction. Um, but it's based around Jacob's wives. So you remember the story of um, Jacob and Leah and Rachel. And then it's also, it's told from the viewpoint of his only daughter, Dinah. And it's an interesting insight into what their lives, you know, likely looked like at the time. And as women, they spent a lot of time together in, you know, what was known as, for this book anyway, as the Red Tent. And it was just this place that the women retreated to when they had their periods and their babies. And, you know, back then their cycles were more in sync with the moon phases and with each other. And so um, for the most part, they were all experiencing their cycles at the same time. And so they, you know, would kind of retreat and spend this time together. And um, it was a time of rest for them. You know, they had some time off from their daily chores um, at that, you know, when they were having their periods. And the book also talks about midwives and how, you know, they would use some of these herbal remedies as needed in pregnancy and childbirth. So that's a really, um, it's kind of an interesting and a good book you might want to add to your list if you like that kind of thing. But the point is, our Bible sisters used God's medicine cabinet, okay, the remedies God put in nature. And a lot of that is what we can still use today, like wild yam and black cohosh and ashwagandha and chase tree. You know, we have these natural compounds available to us to support and optimize hormonal output just like they did. And then there are also bioidentical hormones, which are hormones derived from plants that are chemically identical to the to those in the human um, that the human body produces. And that's a much better option than conventional synthetic hormones. So the truth is, is that women in their postmenopausal years typically are going to need some kind of exogenous support for long-term health. And studies show that women who undergo hormone therapy have less fat tissue, especially in the belly, compared to menopausal women who don't. It's important to know that estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone are not only needed, you know, in those reproductive years, but you always need sufficient levels of those hormones for your age. You know, we need them for brain health and bone health, mood and weight stability, good sleep, urinary health, libido, and overall vitality. 
And there are optimal, optimal levels of hormones that each of us need to be targeting at each stage of our life. And the only true way to know if we're hitting those is through testing, which is something I can do for you. I have the testing kits sent to your house. You administer them through saliva or urine, depending on which test we determine is best for you. Um, we get the results back, we go over them, and then we create a strategy plan. If you haven't listened to the podcast I did on hormone testing, do that because most women are given a blood test for hormones and that is not the best option. But more than anything, we want to optimize our body's ability to produce hormones on their own. You know, that is how we are made, right? But then add in the extra support as needed. And it's good to have that hard data from the hormone test so we can make the most accurate and customized plan. Um, but regardless, you know, regardless of what we get back on a hormone test or any kind of test, we're always going to start with the foundations, um, the basics, you know, that I'm always reminding you of here, food and water, sleep, stress levels, gut health, blood sugar regulation, all of those have such a major impact on your hormones. So if you're trying to balance them naturally with the least amount of outer intervention, that is the absolute key. Okay, the next question. This was the question here. I want to know if hormones are an issue for contributing to weight. My doctor says I am having a cycle because I am having a cycle. My hormones are most likely not an issue. I am not convinced it's that simple. <laughs> You're right, girlfriend. It's not that simple. And absolutely your hormones can contribute to weight at any stage of your hormonal life. Okay, so important to know. Now, let's assume that you've dialed in your diet um, and some of these other things, these basics we've talked about, because those are always going to be a bottom line factor. Okay, we have to make sure you're not overproducing insulin and telling your body to store fat. Um, it's, you know, it's why I usually recommend people go through, through Feast of Fast with me as a starting point, because we've got to make sure you are burning energy efficiently and that we have good insulin and leptin sensitivity. But if you've gone through Feast of Fast, applied those principles, and still your weight won't budge, then it's time to dig a little deeper. Um, in fact, I just had a, um, a client who's been through Feast of Fast and, you know, I just talked to her the other day on the phone and she said, you know, that used to work with, you know, that would work for me, no sweat, you know, I would go through around a feast of fast, drop 10 pounds, you know, and um, everything was good, and then go along my, my merry way. But she's like, now, you know, things just aren't budging like they used to. And so something's up. And um, so, you know, that isn't a perfect example of when it's time to dig a little deeper. And, you know, a few weeks ago, I did a podcast called Body Weight Set Point and Busting Through Metabolic Plateaus. Y'all really liked that one. Um, but this is a really good follow-up to that because if you've tried those strategies, you know, you've been through Feast of Fast, you've tried those strategies, you know, you've, you've got everything else pretty much dialed in and you're just really stumped about what's going on. Um, the, the needle is not moving. It could be hormones. And so what is most common is that there is an underlying gut issue, adrenal issue, or... Um, possibly estrogen dominance. Okay, so let's start with the adrenals. Um, your adrenal glands um, are what produce cortisol, you know, that's your stress hormone. Um, but the adrenals do a, a lot of other things in your body. 
Okay. Um, it also produces a hormone called DHEA. And that is a hormone that is a precursor to helping make testosterone, estrogen and progesterone. Okay, you got to have enough of that to make the rest of them. So if your adrenal glands are struggling, because they've been pumping out tons of cortisol, you know, because of stress and, um, and they're compromised, you know, they're just they're not functioning optimally, um, they may not be able to make enough DHEA, you know, just for one little example of what could be going on with the adrenal glands. But you know, if the adrenal glands are compromised in any way, um, you're going to experience a downstream effect of hormonal dysregulation. Okay, that constant pump of cortisol can also make you insulin resistant, which would put your body in a storing energy mode, you know, as we've talked about before, insulin um, is the storage hormone, you know, and insulin blocks fat burning. So there's all of this stuff that can be happening. Um, and it's really why it's always recommended to do adrenal testing along with hormone testing, because it could be the reason everything's gone wonky, you know, and listen, ladies, this is so important to know, your adrenals play a huge role in how well you make the transition into menopause. Okay, this is huge. Um, I just a one of the questions I'm going to answer another one of the questions kind of in this bigger answer of, of um, weight gain and such. Um, I get this, this question a lot. Can I safely preempt the horrible symptoms of menopause <laughs> that I've been told about? Um, and so so this is the answer to that question here. Okay, so as your ovaries start winding down the production of hormones, your adrenals your adrenal glands are supposed to pick up some of the slack. Okay, and you will continue or you should continue to be able to produce some hormones um, from your adrenal glands as you go through perimenopause, menopause and into the postmenopausal years. But if your adrenals are shot, because they've been overly taxed from stress, um, and just abuse, <laughs> um, crazy blood sugar, regulate, you know, dysregulation, all the things we do to our body, they are not going to be able to make sufficient hormones to help support that overall balance. Okay. Also, when your adrenal health is compromised, that is when you will have a much more extreme transition into menopause. Okay. And so the answer, um, the answer to, you know, making that transition well is to keep those, those adrenal glands healthy and operating optimally. The transition from reproductive years to perimenopause to menopause and beyond is supposed to be pretty seamless. You know, it's not supposed to be this hot, sweaty, fat, moody event. <laughs> you know, we've been conditioned to brace ourselves for this horrible experience. And I'm not saying you're not going to you know, have a few transitional bumps, but it's not supposed to be this horrible cursed experience of aging. But your adrenal glands are going to determine a lot about how you experience that transition. Again, it's why it's super helpful to get some data um, by doing an adrenal test, you know, to see how well they're functioning, you know, are they doing what they're supposed to do? Are they producing um, all the hormones, you know, sufficiently? Now, what can also be causing weight gain is estrogen dominance. That's when there's too much estrogen in the body. And there 
are two forms of estrogen dominance that somebody can have. Straight estrogen dominance, which means it's just too much estrogen in the body, or relative estrogen dominance, which means that um, in relation to progesterone, there is not enough, um, there is, there's too much estrogen in relation to progesterone. Okay, progesterone kind of acts as like a, a checkmate, you know, to estrogen. And so um, if there is not enough, if that's out of whack, that's going to, you know, create a whole big problem. So those are the two ways that you can be in estrogen dominance. Now, it's much more common than you think to be in estrogen dominance, even postmenopausal women can be an estrogen dominance. Um, for women who still have a menstrual cycle, estrogen dominance is quite often the reason for many of the period problems we experience, you know, like major PMS or super heavy periods. And too much estrogen can cause you to hold on to weight. There's this unfortunate cycle that happens um, because our adipose tissue, which is our fat tissue, produces estrogen. In fact, as we age and transition into menopause, our fat tissue takes on a more major role as an endocrine organ. It becomes responsible for pumping out some estrogen for us. So it's kind of like the adrenal glands. You know, it picks up some of that slack um, for making hormones. That is how God designed us. Now, it doesn't mean that we're destined to gain a bunch of weight in menopause. But we do have to understand that we need some fat on our bodies to help keep hormones balanced. We just don't want too much because we can get caught in that vicious cycle of um, producing too much estrogen. You know, gaining weight and the more weight gain we have, you know, the more fat tissue we have, the more estrogen it will produce. And then the more estrogen, the more estrogen dominant we are, the more we gain weight. And so you see that vicious cycle. Um, not fun. And... We have to think back to insulin here. If there's excess insulin in the body, that will cause weight gain, which in turn can increase, um, cause us to increase estrogen production. So as always, we always have to consider that diet and you know the lifestyle factors first. Now, like I said, you can be estrogen dominant at any age, at any stage of your hormonal journey. Um, and let's talk about some of the reasons we become estrogen dominant. So I just named one biggie, you know, insulin overload. That's a product of poor blood sugar regulation, which can be caused by too many carbs, sugar, poor sleep, and excessive stress. Okay, also cortisol overload, which is the stress hormone, um, and can also be caused by those same issues, too many carbs, sugar, poor sleep, excessive stress. Gut problems can also lead to estrogen dominance. If you have an overgrowth of bad bacteria, if you have a leaky gut, if you have food sensitivities caused by the leaky gut, all of those are stressors to the body that cause stress, which means more output of cortisol and inflammation, which goes back to blood sugar and insulin problems. Okay, plus bad bacteria in the body love to eat sugar, you know, and those little suckers like to be fed. So if you feel like there's an alien inside of you that drives you to the cookies and the chips, you know, that could be part of the problem. Um, I haven't had anybody do a gut test, a stool test with me, and it come back with no overgrowth of bad bacteria. Uh, just so you know, it's, you know, pretty common problem. 
Um, also, dealing with the gut, there's an enzyme produced by our gut bacteria called beta-glucuronidase, okay? It aids in the detoxification process, but when there's too much of it, it can block the body from being able to detoxify and eliminate excess estrogen. And, um, you know, when you can't detoxify estrogen, it is reabsorbed into the body and just recirculates, which can lead to estrogen dominance. Now, as far as um, that beta-glucuronidase number, that's not really something you're going to know if it's too high, unless you do a gut test. Okay, that's something I found out when I did my when I did my gut test, um, I discovered I had high beta-glucuronidase. You know, speaking of shifting body weight set point, after I did my three-month gut healing protocol, you know, so I took my um, took my stool test, sent it into the lab, I got my results back, and then you know, I, and then I created my protocol based on the on that data and so it was a three-month protocol I had to remove all of the food sensitivities and um, you know worked on eradicating that bad bacteria and working on um, you know healing my my gut and such but what happened was um, I had a body weight set point it shifted down like two to three pounds you know you know I wasn't even I wasn't trying to lose weight weight and in fact at that time it was summer. And so I usually eat more carbs in summer. And I was exercising a little less at that time. But my my body weight set point surprisingly shifted down, which I thought was so interesting. And I can't say if it was getting rid of the bacteria or removing the stress of the leaky gut and you know, the food sensitivities and which would produce more cortisol, you know, or addressing the high beta-glucuronidase, you know, I don't know if it was one of those things or kind of probably it was all of those things together that made, um, made my set point shift down, but it, it certainly did, you know, it was really interesting. I will also say ladies that it boosted my libido a bit. So that was a good bonus. Um, now I know all of this can sound kind of overwhelming and complicated. And so I hope I'm not losing you here. Um, but these are the things you need to know. And I don't think you're hearing from your doctor, you know, and so, um, I just got to tell you like it is and tell you, you know, how all of these things can be playing into hormonal dysregulation. And as far as all of the things that be, can be going on in the gut, like I said, the best way to know for sure is to get tested. Um, and in fact, the way that I have been trained, um, you know, as a functional nutritionist and functional nutritionist practitioner here is that we should always start with the gut test and work off that data because it is usually the ultimate root cause of many health issues we experience, including the hormones. And once you address the gut issues, you'll experience a ripple effect of improvement and relief throughout the body, you know, no matter how what whatever your issues are manifesting as, um, when you get your gut right, you'll often experience a relief in those. And a lot of people get relief from their hormonal symptoms once the gut issues have been addressed. And so some people don't even, you know, make it to the hormonal testing if we're really trying to do things um, in order there. So um, you can do the gut testing and the food sensitivity testing with me. You know, I've got all kinds of tools we can use, y'all. Okay, a few more reasons that we can be estrogen dominant is due to poor liver function 
and constipation. Okay, because the liver, one of its many, 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 many things that it's responsible for doing is for um, metabolizing and detoxifying hormones, you know, kind of packaging them up and getting ready to go and ex exit out the body. Um, and we get it out the body by pooping. So if your liver is overburdened because you're overloading it with things to detox, it may not be able to deal with your estrogen. So it ends up recirculating in the body, like I was talking about before. Um, if you haven't listened to the podcast I did on the liver, go listen to it. And that's another good one. It's called the liver bucket. And that will just give you um, more insight into, you know, how we overload our liver, and then how our a hormonal problem can be the result of, you know, that alone, you can kind of put, put these pieces together. But you know, even if the liver is able to process you know, your excess hormones through the detox system and get ready to exit the body, it can't exit if you can't poop, you know, because that's how it gets out. If you can't poop, y'all, you absolutely must get on my schedule and work with me. Seriously, I just helped a new client who has had poop problems most of her life, you know, and she's been on Miralax for a long time and prescription medications for years. And we got her pooping like in less than two weeks, you know, it was more like a week. I can't tell you the joy <laughs> it brings to me to help someone overcome constipation because I lived with it for so long. And it's absolutely critical to your body's detoxification process, including hormones. Okay. Okay. So let's see here. Um, do I want to say anything else about estrogen dominance? Well, one other thing I think that we really need to think about um, is estrogen dominance and its role in encouraging or, or feeding any hormonal. Ugh, let me start over. Ching, ching. Okay. We have to think about estrogen dominance and its role in encouraging or feeding any hormonally receptive cancer right? I mean, it could be one of the um, root issues when it comes to hormonally fed breast cancers. And so I just think all of this is so important, you know, and again, there are a lot of reasons things can go wrong with hormones. And it's why when it comes to hormone problems or any health problems, we have to address it. in what I like to call the order of operations. Y'all remember that in math? I mean, even though y'all know I don't like math, right? <laughs> but still, it's um, this is a, a good way to describe it here. We had to learn to sor solve problems by doing them in the right order, that order of operations. It's very much the same in the, um, in the healing priority process, okay? We have to consider all of the factors, diet, gut health, liver function, blood sugar regulation, adrenal health, you know, and really take them in that order. If you've ever done one of my nutritional assessments and gotten your symptom burden graph back, you know, this will be familiar to, to you. It's what we discuss in the very first consultation um, that we do together um, in my one-on-one -on -one consultations. Um, and it's really this order of operations and trying to kind of unravel what is happening in the body. Okay, so I'm going to answer one more question for today. And it is this. I have no desire for sexy time. It's not due to past trauma or surgeries or relationship with my husband. It has been like this since the birth of my only child in 2009. Okay. 
So the the question is libido. There's a lot of people that have um, libido issues, you know, they're just not feeling it. And so aside from all of the things that we've talked about thus far, because they all apply here, you know, and they can all suppress libido. Um, testosterone deficiency is often one of the problems. A lot of women don't realize they need testosterone, but we do. You know, it's important for bone and muscle health, vitality and mood, and yes, libido. And if you don't have enough, you may not feel like having sexy time. You know, I was just messaging with one of my NTP, my nutritional therapy friends, um, to get her opinion on testosterone. I'm not a big fan of the pellets, which a lot of people get. And so I was just kind of texting back and forth with my friend and she told me that she uses a compound cream. She said, I use a compound cream on my hoo-hoo every morning. Oh my, no, on my (laughs) hoo-ha. That's what she called it. I use it on my hoo-ha every morning. And so I texted her back. I was like, um, she said, okay, you place it. Okay. She said you place it on the clitoris and it wakes it up. And so I texted her back. I was like, wow, that sounds like a great plan. <laughs> and then, oh gosh, I shouldn't even say this on here, but I have to, cause it was so dadgum funny. She texted me back and she said, ain't no one got time for a numb dead clit. And y'all, <laughs> I hope that doesn't offend you, but I mean, I like almost spit out my coffee. And also, if you knew this person, you would not expect that to come out of her mouth. I, I was dying. I was like, all right, then that's keeping it real. So, so great. Um, so, okay, yes, testosterone can be um, testosterone deficiency can be a problem. Also, since I've already kind of taken it down this road. <laughs> the other thing that you want to consider is that you have to have enough estrogen to keep your lady garden moist and juicy. Yes, I just said those words. I know they're so cringy, but there's just no other, you know, better way to describe it. If you're estrogen deficient, things can dry up in there in your lady garden. And not only is that not helpful for sexy time, but it can also lead to complications in the urinary tract. It's one reason that incontinence and UTIs become more problematic after menopause. Um, So just as much as you don't want estrogen dominance, you don't want estrogen deficiency. You know, we want our hormones to be in that Goldilocks position, you know, not too high, not too low, but just right. And if they're not, we can get them there. You know, again, we want to optimize our body's ability to make hormones through dietary and lifestyle choices. Um, and then layer in any supplemental and or exogenous hormone support as needed. We have a lot of options to work with, you know, and I can help you. I have a lot of women who come to me that feel like they're kind of at a dead end with their doctor or just not getting the support they need. Um, but you can see it's a lot to unravel and it's not as simple as just addressing the hormones. We have to look at the big picture, um, and your body's system as a whole And so, you know, a lot of women will come to me um, and we'll do the testing and we'll kind of work on all of the pieces that we've talked about today. And they're also still working with their doctor and, you know, and and we're kind of all working together. That's really the ultimate, um, the ultimate way to do it. But, um, you know, we just, we figure it out and there's so many things that we can do about it. 
All right, my friends. Um, well, we'll do another one of these hormone answer podcasts again, because there, there's a lot I didn't get to today. Um, and there's so many, you know, hormonal topics that we can cover. Um, but do remember to get on my Sunday send out list if you are not already, because that's the most reliable way I connect with people. I mean, you, you never know about social media. I know a lot of us connect on social media, but I mean, Facebook has already suspended my account once before probably because I talk about God and weight loss a lot. <laughs> and I don't think he likes, I don't think Facebook likes either one of those. And so um, I think we're seeing a lot more recently that Facebook is, you know, blocking posts and taking things down and such when they don't like what they see. And so that is always the risk that we take. Um, and so I just, you know, I really like to make sure that the people that um, I want to stay connected with, um, you know, get on my Sunday email. Um, because then we can, you know, we can, that's more reliable. And you can email me back um, from that and reply to me with any questions or comments, because I absolutely love hearing from you. And I want to know what you want to learn and what you need to know. And so please, y'all, please email me back and um, ask me your questions and, and let me know what you want to hear more of on the podcast and, and that kind of thing. Okay. All right, my friends. I hope you found this helpful. Thank you so much for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week and I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.